listening to heal with sarah livia welcome beautiful this is the podcast where you will learn from world-class guides and experts about all the different healing modalities and self-actualization tools out there to inspire you on your healing and growth journey whatever that looks like i'm your host sarah olivia embodiment pleasure and self-love coach and a somatic healing guide. I am so honored to have you listening. Buckle up, bring an open heart and an open mind, and let's jump in. Welcome, beautiful. I'm so delighted that you are joining for another episode of Heal with Sarah Olivia. I appreciate all of the support and the beautiful feedback that I've had so far on the podcast. So just thank you for that. This episode is such a wonderful conversation. I loved having the conversation. I loved listening to it back while creating the episode. Will Griffin, who is my guest for this episode, is a really special coach who helps healers, lightworkers, other coaches grow their business, grow their missions without that kind of burnout and hustle on social media. And even more than that, more importantly than that, he is a truly beautiful human who is so dedicated to his own growth and self-actualization. So this is a conversation that spans as usual with the conversations that I have here that spans many different topics and areas. We dive into Vipassana retreats, different healing modalities. We dive into men's work and the need for an expansion and a reimagination of what the role of men can be as we both see that there is such a contraction around that. There has been such a contraction around that and um yeah I loved this conversation I really love connecting with Will whenever I get a chance to so I highly recommend listening to this whole conversation it is a little bit of a long one but it's so so worth it so um welcome Will I'm gonna need you to repeat what you just said to me before I pressed record to (laughs) share with the audience where you're at right now there is no way I'm repeating anything my lips are sealed (laughs) lips sealed it's coffee it's not cocaine um (laughs) so welcome from well welcome to you from bali no i'm not in bali you're in bali god i wish i was in bali how is bali treating you so good so good i was just mentioning to you i got on an airplane for the first time leaving bali in four years four years um which i think is a testament to how much i love bali and how well she treated me absolutely love it i mean it's it's quite impressive because like a lot of people transition through Bali in their journey, right? They'll be there for like a few months, maybe a year. I think four years is like relatively unusual in terms of commitment to the place. So like, congrats. <laughs> there are some of us, there are some yeah. of us here, but I think a lot of people, Bali just kind of chews you up and spits you out. There's there's mm. something, uh, there's something about the energy here and the vibration here. I mean, why not get very, very woo-woo? But there's something about it. You know, it's a volcanic island. The, the, it, there's all, the, the, the flowers are constantly flourishing. There's four mm. 
there's four rice harvests a year. There's just this energy of growth constantly. And that does, in my experience, and a lot of everybody that I know's experience translates to the humans as well. It's almost like this constant growth, this death rebirth, death rebirth, nonstop. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can't handle that. Yeah. And a lot of people leave. Um, it just turns out that um, I get a kick out of it. I think that you have to be a certain type of committed to that growth and like very, very comfortable with the death part of those cycles. Because I think that we can very comfortably just be like, yeah, I want to grow, 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 grow and have more, 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 more. But actually in order to make space for that growth, you do have to be comfortable with those death cycles and like releasing old parts of yourself, releasing old versions, old ideas. And so I can definitely imagine why there would be a discomfort with that. And after a certain period of growth, people being like, oh, I'm meeting my edge resistance. Let's transition back um, into a slightly more comfortable, familiar environment. For sure. But it just feels like home for me here. Really. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. Whereas I think other people is like where they were born feels like home. Yeah. You know, like during lockdown, I stayed here. And there's a few of us that stayed here because really, we just realized that actually this is home. So I mean, that's what's going to do with it. Um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows how long, but for now, a beautiful chapter. I'm very jealous. I'm always just, I think I, I very much feel at home in, um, well, I think for me, Kopang Yang was that, um, but very similar um, kind of energetic vibration, slightly, you know, slightly less tapped into, I would say, than the kind of digital nomad um, hub that is Bali. But yeah, I can very much relate to the desire to be on a beautiful island um so we met for the those people listening will and i met 11 years ago which is wild it was that long ago um in a completely different context because obviously we do both work in the online healing coaching space but we met at king's college london 11 years ago, I was about to start my undergrad and you were about to start your master's. All right. What were you doing your master's in? Uh, philosophy of mental disorder. Otherwise known as philosophy of psychiatry is probably easier. I mean, that's somewhat more related to what you do now than me studying French. <laughs> and you live in Germany. Well, that was I mean, a fucking waste of time. It was literally <laughs> such a fucking waste of time. And I was literally always so against learning German, German, always at school. I was like, no, French, 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 French. The only thing that my French did was I went to Paris and that's where I met my husband, which is so ironic. Because other than that, the French hasn't really helped at all. But fast forward to now, we are in a very different space. And I feel like it's one of those kind of connections that happens and then we're very much in each other's peripheral and then I think a few years ago I noticed that you were kind of posting about your work and a completely different approach and a completely different like life path that you take and I was like oh hello this is nice to meet someone I mean to connect with someone that I've actually met in person a person that is feels really real to me um that has also gone down a completely different path and I would just love to know to fill in a little bit the gaps between that like academic very like you know straight laced life that is London and the UK and then fill in the gaps between there and Bali god well I was never straight laced it's probably one of the reasons why I didn't fit in there I guess (laughs) 
um, fill in the gaps. And when we well, when we saw each other, I was doing a philosophy degree, philosophy of mental disorder. Um, and then I ended up in Bali. That was an interesting journey. I mean, really, the reason why I did philosophy, I mean, I got two degrees in philosophy, was really just a pursuit of, well, I think it was the first subject that actually got, got me interested in anything academic. It was anything mm. that I kind of, inter- I got to, uh, there was something I really loved about it. And what I loved about it was this idea of how to, how to live the best life, you know? What is um what is the good life? What does that mean? And that started me just thinking about stuff. And that was around the time that I got kicked out of school. Um, and that philosophy changed my life, massively changed my life, because I was always thinking, well, personal growth, personal growth, personal growth. And it was very much under the the um the banner of philosophy, shall we say. And then that evolved throughout the years into um, you know, self-actualization personal growth not just studying like aristotle for example but looking into therapy mm. uh looking into into um you know reading every single last personal growth book under the sun to then becoming a life coach and now actually i coach coaches and i live in bali which is a bit of a cliche um, <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like a bit of an eye roll it's like oh hang on a second you you cliche number one is let me guess you came on on like a holiday and then you're up saying in bali yep cliche number one cliche number two you're not a life coach are you yep i am and the third one is inevitably you become a coach for coaches. So I've got the triple whammy right there. Um, I'm at the triple cliche. I will pause you there though for like in your, cause you can defend yourself anyway from what you've just <laughs> cliched yourself. Um, but I feel like in spite of those cliches, you really don't fit into the typical mold for that in terms of your approach, in terms of like how I know you, what I, you know, the way that I know your work, we've never worked together kind of on a long-term basis, but we've done like some market research calls and I've gotten to know you as a coach, as well as kind of someone that we're connected, you know, personally. And it is just a completely different approach. And my feeling from you is that you are genuinely here to amplify the work of people that are doing that healing work. And that's like your zone of genius. And also I think the fact that you're not kind of nonstop online on social media also makes a very big difference to how your work is received and lands with people. Thank you. Yes. Well, I've broken all of the rules. Yeah. For sure. Um, I never set out to be a, a coach for coaches. Mm. <laughs> never. Um, I resisted it for a very, 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 very long time. And then I realized, oh, actually, yeah, actually there's, there's such... Um, it's such an honor actually to be able to support coaches and just my own journey has been the long meandering hardest route probably possible and it's so beautiful that I get to take all those lessons of going the long way yeah. and to provide shortcuts for my clients yeah um yeah which is quite cool and my tagline is as you mentioned you know how to become fully booked without having to use social media and paid ads yeah um Yes, there we are. So I guess I'm not the average coach. No, which is and the idea of being able to reach people without kind of spending all your time on social media. For some people, that is incredibly painful and I think can create so much resistance in sharing their work. So that's obviously such like a a soothing balm, I think, for the souls of a lot of people who want to have that business and don't really know how to. Um, yeah, so thank you. not effective. You know, it's also not effective. You know, I, as I mentioned, I, as you mentioned, we, I did a market research. I coached 100 coaches this year um, in about six-month window. And it was very interesting for me to get inside the mind of so many souls. And 
you know, it just really came to the forefront of my mind that there's so much noise in the coaching industry and so much misinformation. And one of them is, is okay, you've got to become a social media influencer. It's not necessarily mm. the most effective way. You already know so many people yeah. to, to create clients. Anyway, yes. Mm. But I imagine you don't want to be talking about the business of coaching today. Although I could, it's one of my favorite topics. No, no. Well, I mean, I think I think it's even an area of healing for a lot of us. Like there are a lot of people that I know who are in this world of work to some degree. And I think that the hustle and like the pressure to be online is something that actually becomes like a bit of a stress and a bit of a wound to a degree. So that's even for me kind of in the last year, couple of years, having a big transition towards like relaunching my business in the way that I'm doing it now, that has also been part of that healing journey. So I kind of, I do see it under that umbrella, even if it doesn't seem kind of so obviously there. Um, and I really appreciate the the reflection that you, or yeah, the reflection that you made of, it was so valuable that you took the long, hard route as well. And I think there's such a, there's such a kind of, a facade often in the idea of like you do it quickly you do it like immediately and like immediate success will come to you and you see so we see so many kind of early 20s business coaches coming on being like I'm gonna help you earn this much money I'm like how like what possible life experience do you have (laughs) to help me do that um yeah Wow. Do you know what? It's interesting because I I almost feel as well, I, I totally hear you. And I think that the problem with social media, as we all know, is that everyone's shown the best version of themselves. Mm. And that can be so psychologically damaging for everybody, no matter what you were doing. Yeah. Not least if you're an entrepreneur, because all of the marketers and all of the coaches are going, and it's incredible for me, I have clients that if you were to have a look at their social media, you would think that they are flourishing successful. Mm. And we just started working together. And I know actually what their bank balance is looking like. Mm. And it's incredible to see yeah. the difference between what's being portrayed and what the reality is. Yeah. And all that does is feed into the um, the, the the feeling of of um, unworthiness by comparison that some yeah. people face. Yeah. And interestingly, curiously, you know, I always feel in so many ways that the that people who are twenty four becoming business coaches to to some some degree actually have such an advantage. There is such a difference from when I was an entrepreneur at 24 to when 24 year olds become a 24, uh, an entrepreneur. Mm. There's so many more opportunities available for them mm. to learn certain skills that they actually get to pass on. It's something like Facebook ads, for example. Mm. Facebook ads is something that, I, that I'm um, going to be learning this year. And I think to myself, why didn't I learn it earlier? Whereas, um, whereas actually, I think quite a lot of the young guys, they just learn it really quickly and realize actually it's much easier than you think. Like mm. get on with it. Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, there is this kind of, um, but I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Yeah. Meandering through, I mean, that's obviously such a, such a journey for a lot of us, um, in this space. Um, I feel like there must have been, there is still, and there must have been so much work that you have done behind the scenes with and by yourself and in many different modalities to be able to hold the kind of space that you need to be able to hold. I'd love to touch on some of those and some of the modalities that you found the most powerful in your journey. Thank you. So is your question, what personal growth have I gone through? Yes. Where do we begin? Pick a year and I'll tell you, tell you, tell you what, my goodness. Uh, what, what have I gone through so much? I mean, there've been so many highlights. Um, maybe, could you re-ask the question? Yeah, of course. Um, Mm. I guess what I would love to know is like some of the 
most profound healing experiences that you've gone through and if you kind of were to I mean everything has value but if you were to kind of go back and say to young young will a few years ago to be like okay focus on these on these pieces or like these modalities are really going to do it for you thank you one part of me wants to say if i had the opportunity to go back in time i wouldn't change anything that's that's bullshit i think that actually that's bullshit no no first (laughs) of all first of all if i had the opportunity to go back in time i'd work out kind of um some some good sporting uh, betting opportunities I could tell my younger self make sure you go you go and bet on Chelsea to win the FA Cup in 1997 <laughs> I'd probably start there um, but no in terms of personal <laughs> growth what kind of modalities my goodness I mean certainly taking the, the long meandering route I certainly think you know for me I think that peer group is so important and I think mm-hmm. that's something that I'm still learning to embody actually it's interesting you know I literally live on a cliff in the middle of nowhere in the middle of nowhere like you know like in the deep 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 dark of Bali mm. and I notice even even now because my whole entire life really is personal growth and entrepreneurship and when I first came to Bali one of the things I absolutely cherished about being in Bali and the reason why I stayed here was I came to this place where everybody was into personal growth and everybody was an entrepreneur yeah and and all these topics that I would love to talk about with my friends in England they weren't interested in so I was kind of completely by myself and I had no idea that there was a land that was full of people like me. And I got to tell you that changed everything. And I feel so fortunate that I found these communities here. And now I've kind of moved, moved away from when I first came to and, I, and, and I'm a little bit more isolated. I'm certainly observing actually how important it is to bring in for example, entrepreneurs, where I live, there's a lot of surfers just chilling out and having holiday, which is wonderful. Um, but I think really for me, the biggest transformation is that of, if I could share to my younger self a, a piece of wisdom to fully embody, it would be look at your associations, look who you're hanging out with and ask yourself, are they keeping you the same, lowering you or raising? Mm. And do that constantly and believe in the possibility even if it seems completely outrageous there will be communities of these people that you can find anywhere in the world i was very very happy and lucky that i just came to bali just happened to be around digital Mm. nomads and entrepreneurs and that really changed my life coming to bali changed my life without question without question there wasn't any healing there i mean there's a ton of healing but in this particular example there was no healing but the remedy was finding community and tribe and that is a lesson or should we say that is a personal growth code that i'm forever reminding myself to embody more and more and more and more and it's interesting because now that place where i first arrived in bali place called changu the vibration of that place is not in harmony with me it was the younger five-year younger self of me it was now now i've transitioned and now i find myself in this space i'm like oh okay actually i i need to I've actually isolated myself a little bit. And mm. I'm realizing that if I could evolve more now, it would be to, to I don't know. I'm wondering maybe even if I leave Bali or start playing somewhere, Dubai is calling me. I'm not mm. quite sure. Yeah. Um, but that tribe and community has had the biggest effect on me. And it's a lesson I'm always learning because as as I evolve, so does my tribe and community. Yeah. Must, and my environment must. Yeah. Um, that's a very long-winded one answer. I could ramble for hours. Do you have anything you'd like to say before I... Yeah, I mean, it's that's hitting deep and really resonating. It's something that I crave deeply um, and it's something that I've not 
been able so much to create on the level that I would like to yet. Um, or say I've been able, I definitely, when you live in another country and not in the kind of Bali country, but like moving to Germany to be with your German husband and then going through lockdown as I have, like that can be very, very isolated for sure. And I'm very lucky with the kind of yoga community that I have, but there's still like a, you know, a, a limitations there in terms of like where those souls are happy to kind of take conversations. And I think especially as I move now into the world of like sexual liberation and tantric relationships and this whole space is such an up level. And I think that could, that could quite quickly become quite lonely. And, you know, I was thinking about you saying that people in the UK, like fr friends and family, or I don't know family, but friends aren't, weren't necessarily so interested in what you were doing, like life coaching wise and whatever other self-development pieces. And I think that's, it's a challenge because I don't, I don't think for myself, for example, that I would ever be, I would say, I'd say that's obviously a bit, a bit absolutist, but with my husband in the line of work that he's in, it's unlikely that we'll ever be like living somewhere like Bali where that's kind of so much more accessible. So I'm very aware of the need to very consciously find and create that. Um, so it's just huge. It's absolutely huge. I mean, I think it's everything. Yeah. I think it's really everything. Yeah. There's so many personal growth tools and modalities out there. There's so many of them. Breath yeah. work is one that, that was very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, I would love meditation to Meditation as well. I would love to know how your Vipassana was, because I know you just went on like a 10-day, was it? Silent yeah, it's 10-day. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so Vipassana is a 10-day Buddhist silent meditation retreat. Been on the cards. It's kind of like when you get into the personal growth space, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, and they know, there's almost like a couple of like checkpoints. Like, have you done ayahuasca? Yep, check. Have you done the pasta? Yep, check. Have you been to Bali? You know, these kind of <laughs> things. And uh, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, have you had a tarot reading? You know, all these kind of things. <laughs> and um, you know, what's your human design? You know, this kind of stuff. And, yeah. and so it's just, it's been you know, on my cards for a long time. It was, you know, it was really, it was a life-changing experience. A lot of my friends said it was going to be a life-changing experience. And I actually, do you know what? It really was. It really was. Not for the reasons I thought it was going to be. Um, it was just putting the meditation technique to one side because you're meditating. First of all, there's, there's no talking for 10 days. Well, nine days technically. And the 10th day, you're allowed to talk. So nine days of no talking, 10 hours of meditation a day, which is quite significant, obviously. And putting the meditation to one side, the technique and the philosophy to one side, which are quite wonderful, particularly the philosophy I found was wonderful. Mm. And just not talking and just being completely disconnected for, for 10 days was nine days was um, was was transformative in and of itself. Actually. Yeah. Because actually, when does, when does one ever do that? And so you're really in your mind. There's no one to bounce anything off. So it's you're bouncing things off with you. And that could be very confronting for some people. Mm. I loved it. I snuck in a journal. So I was just journaling like like hell. Sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine said, a friend of mine said to me, said, sneak one in, trust me. And so I, I did. I trust yeah. She's in about seven. And so I was like, okay, go on then. Uh. Um, but uh very profound. There were moments when I thought to myself, I'm gonna do three of these a year, and which is a whole month of the year. And then there was moments when I thought I'm never gonna do this ever again. <laughs> now now i'm out of it i'm kind of thinking i can i'm in a phase at the moment where i'm thinking i'll probably do another one yeah um 
maybe every year, but I'm much more prepared for it now. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I don't think that, I think meditation, nervous system preparation is probably, I've not done one. I have to say I haven't done one yet. I would love to, definitely will happen. Um, But I think meditation, breathwork, nervous system preparation is probably quite necessary for that experience. You would not recommend going into that cold without having done kind of the work that you've already done to be able to go into that space. I can imagine that it must be very interesting to have that space with the different like parts of yourself because we do have these different these different voices and these different characters not like we have like split personality disorders but like that is such a kind of a um a factor in our in our lives as we have these different um almost like internal families that's you know part of that um whole like uh different type of therapy internal family systems i find very interesting i can imagine in silence that would play quite a strong role but that's just a speculation yes you know just going back one move yeah please i feel i sometimes i feel jumping in the deep end is the best thing and mm. i think to myself i think if somebody is listening to this that hasn't maybe done like a lot of work i would still invite them to do it yeah they might leave they Fair might enough. go to hack it they might leave because because i think i think it, it can be it can be absolutely life-changing actually and i think that if you're going to have a life-changing experience to get into something meditation but passiveness is actually probably a really good one to get into you know i met one person there who's facilitated who's done 30 plus retreats a lot of my friends have done seven or so and um because because really the value is is about observing one's mind fundamentally yeah the vipassana states are one level deeper and it's about observing observing the body so the actual the technique itself is scanning the body the sensations in the body and um there's interesting philosophy behind that but really so much of our stress is mental yeah you could argue that basically everything is mental and the stories and the spin that we put on things it all comes to our mind and and i think um so i think going in the deep end to really learn a meditation technique could be life-changing because you know, I, I observe in my own life, as I get triggered by something, the more I've spent meditating or the more I spent on the personal growth journey, the better I get at noticing my patterns, noting myself running with my mind mm. and able to stop, pause, be in the now and change the story. Yeah. And I feel that that really that that is such an essential skill to have as a human being. For sure. And so and so I would almost not even put a barrier to do vipassana i'd be like if you feel the call go fair enough what i wouldn't advise doing is what i did which was i went away on a holiday beforehand had lots of sugar lots of junk food with my oh, girlfriend yeah and uh, so i kind of went in kind of detoxing off caffeine sugar a uh, couple of whiskeys i had actually i don't really drink but we just i really needed a holiday me and my girlfriend went on a holiday together it just happened to be just before the vipassana i thought bugger i was wasn't why and I hadn't meditated for about six months beforehand. So um, okay. so it was a huge detox. So I wouldn't do that. Mm. I would prepare oneself a little bit more thoroughly than sure. I did and take it seriously. Um, but I encourage everyone to go and do it. So you feel like you could go do a Vipassana if you maybe spent the week or two weeks before eating pretty gently and nourishingly and maybe doing a little bit of meditation leading up to it. 
yeah i would literally just make a list of every single thing you're every single last thing that you're addicted to mm. and you're going to be forced to stop them anyway yeah so stop them so you know for at least seven days beforehand no sugar no caffeine no junk food yeah um and start meditating yeah as much as you possibly can and then go in and then your body's going to really be on your side interesting yeah. so i think in my mind i've kind of almost like equated it with the intensity obviously it's a different time frame and equated it with the intensity of doing like an ayahuasca journey which i also have not done so everyone listening is like what have you done like nothing that wild um <laughs> and you know as far as i know like going blind into an ayahuasca journey could be quite borderline not dangerous but very very intense if someone's like never done any kind of um work on their nervous system in any way um but i could, could also- be i oh, did yeah. i went in blind i think people pick <laughs> these things up a little bit more same mm. thing with london marathon has gone on with it but um <laughs> okay. like uh i fully take absolutely nothing you say seriously anymore <laughs> Yeah. If you did the London Marathon without training, you're insane. No, I did. I did. I did train, but okay, my good. training was a little bit. I was a little bit more maverick. I had cool. my my cousin. My cousin's like a very successful trainer. He trains like you know famous athletes mm. and a lot of triathlons. And so, I, so he gave me a plan, and and so I was building up to all these runs, and uh, and I was actually training for a half Ironman, and the tri- wow. London triathlon was just a part of that training, really. And I remember I had my first 20 mile run. So the marathon's like 26 miles. So, yeah. you know, pretty close to marathon. And he said to me, right. So he gave me this plan. He goes, right, run 20 miles. And at mile six, have an energy gel. Mile eight, have an energy gel. Da, 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 all this kind of stuff. Mm. And so the morning beforehand, and I was like, just, just, I just wanted to run. So I just found a very straight line. I think I ran from Brixton to Tottenham and then Tottenham to Brixton again, which is like 10 miles, 10 miles one way, 10 mm-hmm. miles the other way. And I thought, you know, back in the Victorian days, would they take energy gels with them? <laughs> would they? And I thought they bloody wouldn't. So I woke up. I had half a tub of Bennett Jerry's ice cream. No. Oh God. I then ran. <laughs> I then ran ten miles to Tottenham, straight line, literally straight line. That's amazing. To Tottenham, stopped, had a couple of chocolate bars and Lucas Aid, and ran back. <laughs> Did they have chocolate bars, Lucas Aid, and Ben and Jerry's in the Victorian times, though? No. So, I, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think, you know, I think people big up the past a little bit. A little bit hmm. they, I don't know. Everyone, Everyone's on their own journey. Everyone has their own experience. But I think I'd actually, the re- I gave myself, I can't get a reframing thing. So when yeah. I was there, I was like, I was a little bit frustrated. Sure. I just stopped and I noticed, I just said to myself, hang a second, excuse me. I said, hang a second, this is amazing. It's like a little holiday. Like you get to switch off, enjoy this, mm. enjoy it. Mm. So I did, I allowed myself to enjoy it. Um, yeah. I allowed myself to enjoy it. I cheated a little bit. You know, you're meant to meditate for 10 hours a day. I'm not sure what percentage of people actually meditate for 10 hours a day when they're what there. People, yeah. It all transpired. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end, we all talk, we share swap notes. You know, there's sometimes mm. people are really pissed off and they look like they're zen, but actually there's daydreaming. Sure. You know, often about sex. I was sex and sugar in my business were constantly running through my brain. And sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm just going to indulge today. Yeah. You know, so you can make it more hardcore for you want to. Sure. Sure. Ayahuasca, you're out. That's it. Game over. You take it, you're, you're gone. Yeah. I guess, I guess, I mean, like with any, with any drug, it will kind of amplify whatever, whatever is there. Um, 
whatever is there to be processed will be very big. Yes. Um, thank you for sharing that so candidly. I feel much more um, yeah, emboldened to go and do a Vipassana, for sure. Maybe 2024 is my year. Next year's going to be a big... Get it booked in. There's never going to be a good time. Get it no, booked in. No, literally. Yeah, there won't be. And I'll definitely do another one. Mm. The philosophy is wonderful. Mm. It really it makes so much sense, the philosophy. It really does. Please do one. I think mm-hmm. it's life-changing. Mm. I wouldn't suggest everyone to do ayahuasca, but I would suggest the pasta. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. This is a little bit more of a personal question. You absolutely don't have to answer it. But I think that um the relationship with people the closest to us that we've grown up with, aka family, but often like really old friends can sometimes be the most like challenging and confronting when we go down such a deep root of self-development, personal development. Um, is that something that you have found that there were like things that you ran up against with people that you're close to in in your journey? In terms of close family and friends? Yeah, in terms of them, I don't know, maybe mourning mourning or resisting the changes in you and the shifts in you and the things that you are more interested in now do you know what no actually I think I've been quite lucky my parents just let me get on with things Mm. so I never had those parents that were very controlling if anything I had to if anything they were too hands off but Mm. not so hands off you know like real hands off is you're off to an orphanage see you later you know that wasn't like that yeah yeah. it was more just like just do your own thing kind of thing and uh, and I went to boarding school from eight to nine so I, I you know and I left home when I was 17 so I've kind of just yeah. done my own thing all of my life really not to say that I haven't had to navigate um you know um past things with my parents you know I think I remember seeing a life coach once when I first came to Bali and I hired her because I wanted her to support my business and on our first session she goes so what's the relationship with your mother and father like and I said oh good I've, I've dealt with all of that she goes have you Done. Needless to say, right? Needless to say, we spent ten sessions talking about my relationship with my mum. You know, my mum and dad. Yeah. And um, and I kind of did some completion around that, um, but nothing, nothing, no. But I know that's can be quite common. You know, it's one of those things. So just, just like, you know, and I always come back to this this idea. You know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm. But more than that, underneath that, the secret to your success resides in your associations and who you hang out with. Yeah, it really does. And and, you know, very often I watched this this um this clip from Bob Proctor. He was speaking into it, something that I thought was quite wonderful. He said that your family and friends can hold you back subconsciously. Yeah. And he said, you know, you know, your self-image is a paradigm. You have a paradigm of who you are. And when you go on a personal growth journey, your self-image paradigm changes and and that's great. And you will have all sorts of people, your husband, your mum, your dad, your best friends all around you going, hey, yeah, we're rooting for you. But the thing is, is you are a part of their paradigm. Yeah. So when you change, they are they are forced to change yeah. because their world is changing. Yeah. And subconsciously, they might try and keep, hold you down. And I think that it can be a very subtle enemy on the personal yeah. growth journey. I think it's yeah I think it's more that it's a subtlety it's not necessary I mean sometimes it's people coming out and being like what are you doing you need to go get like a nine to five or like why are you talking about this stuff blah 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 it's bullshit um (laughs) 
yoga is bullshit spirituality is bullshit la 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 um but yeah most of the time I think it's just like it's subtle it's something I've the reason I asked is something that I've been noticing more on a kind of subtle yeah on a subtle level is just also who we can become in order to facilitate the comfort of others that are used to us being a certain way and like things that we like avoid talking about and kind of keep a little bit more of a lid on our power as it were um in order not to like ruffle ruffle too many feathers or confront with that change um yeah navigating navigating for sure. That that fortunately hasn't been a part of my life, mm. but I know it can be. I was having a conversation with actually a friend and client of mine this morning, and she was saying that she was noticing that as she elevates, she, sometimes she she actually sent me a voice note and then spoke into it. I think it's a common mm. pattern in her life, actually. Yeah. And um she was speaking into as she elevates, she's noticing this. Um one of her friends actually spoke into how she didn't want to hear about her sex. That was triggering her because she's, you know, in a very conscious way, which is fair enough. Yeah. But she used that as, as a way to explain to her that she noticed that as she does elevate and evolve, should we say, yeah. she notices that she she tries to dim her light mm. to not make, so that other people don't feel insecure around her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is a common thing. You know, there's a poem by Mary Ann Williamson where she speaks just into that topic. I'll have to look. She that says up. there is. She has. She said, there is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure about around you. Mm. We are all meant to shine as children do. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fears, um, our liberation automatically liberates others, something like that. So there's something in that. But I think that she kind of oversimplifies it because it sounds nice. At the same time, I think that actually sometimes actually people cannot be inspired by your growth and can be very, very jealous and yeah. da, 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 da. So. Jealous or just resistant. Um, yeah, just resistant to what that means for them or resistant to what that means for where your role is in their paradigm, exactly as you said. Um, yeah, no, thank you for that. I'm mostly just bouncing off reflections on you because I just think that you're great to have a conversation with and I hope that this is making great listening material I've, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it um <laughs> thank you me too so one of the reasons why like I initially reached out to you to have this conversation is I don't know that many men in the self-development space who I have seen consciously undertaking men's work and consciously undertaking a journey towards their divinity towards their divine masculine and that's not necessarily something that you talk kind of so clearly directly about it's not like your everything that you post is about that and you don't post very much <laughs> as we said but that's just more my my sense my understanding of you um more intuitively so i would love to hear your yeah your perspective on like what men's work is and we'll see where we go from there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting one, then. I feel like men's work's a part of my journey, but probably not until I'm 50. You know, it, it, in terms of in terms of um making some sort of contribution to to the to the industry, or should we say the category? I um, guess what I mean work. is like I feel like women are so often like we have women's circles and there is such a 
there is actually a space that we have created for women to be in their in their divinity together and to share together um and I think that's almost almost like not as allowed for men and I feel like I've witnessed you to some degree having that and creating that and being in that and I could I would love to just hear what that is actually like being in vulnerable spaces with other men and having that space yeah thank you Mm. it's interesting you know it's a a particularly favorite topic of mine this Mm. idea of men's work Mm. and I feel that there is I feel like the way I see it is that women have had this huge renaissance yes you know when I when I when I when I talked to I really struck me once about two or three years ago I spoke to a friend of mine Mm. and it transpired that on Instagram she follows maybe a hundred different female coaches Mm and and they all follow each other and i was like mm. what and i suddenly, suddenly realized i don't think i follow any men coaches yeah. there's a couple of men who are in my you got you know your jordan petersons your joe rogan's your Aubrey marcus's mm. you know, you've got people like tony robbins but he doesn't really he's in a completely different category you know yes. but in terms of just like your normal everyday coach that could be a best mate kind of thing yeah i've observed that females who are interpersonal growth follow a ton men don't at least i don't yeah. And and upon reflection, a lot of men don't. And I almost feel that actually as men, we don't really have that many role models actually yeah. compared to women. And I almost and I and and you know, and there's probably lots of different reasons for this. Yeah. And I think the personal growth ind- industry is mainly women. Coaches are mainly women. And then again, at the same time, men are also very into personal growth. But there's a different version of, of personal growth. Mm. And then there's the spiritual camp and the non-spiritual camp. So if you have a look at kind of like, um, you know, people that might follow someone like Tim Ferriss and biohackers, they yeah. may not necessarily be ent- entertaining the new age spiritual kind totally. of arena. So there's totally. kind of different pockets of this, but they're like biohackers. Yeah. So I feel I feel that there's, you know, and then you've got the phenomena of Andrew Tate, for example. Are you familiar with Andrew Tate? He's ringing a bell, but I'm not. I'm not getting specifics. So, but even that's like an interesting thing. So Andrew Tate is is um. I don't know where to begin, but essentially Andrew Tate it has been cancelled, should we say, on all social media platforms, and he's meant to be championing men. Okay, so oh, he's got yeah. a huge following of young men. Yeah. And and then the 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 media is like, well, Andrew Tate's a really bad guy, and the reason yeah. why is because there's some clips of him doing some stuff, and like, well, well fuck you, Andrew Tate. Right. But then you go down the Andrew Tate rabbit and you realize, oh, okay. So okay, I'm being shown all this bad stuff about Andrew Tate. And then you go down, and you're like, well, actually, he's he's very clever. You're like, okay, he's very clever, he's very successful. Oh, okay. He's always talking about how his longer form is taken out of context and it makes him look like a bad person. Okay, I well, I watch his original longer form and I can see it's been taken out of context. That's interesting. And then nothing's ever black and white. No one's ever looked purely good or purely bad. No. But it's curious to me to see how much of a villain he's being portrayed and to actually observe on my side that it actually is being distorted and mm. it was curious to me to see how blindly we jump on the hate bandwagon oh yeah and what andrew tate has done for me and i'm not saying that he's somebody that i would uh, that i'm condoning or not condone, condoning sure. i certainly have found him outrageously entertaining and extremely inspiring in many ways mm. and i and i feel that actually he is a net positive for men and women than, mm. than a negative 
And again, hugely controversial. I had somebody unfollow me for saying something good about Andrew Tate online to give you an idea. So it's a very, very interesting. But what Andrew Tate has done for me has shown me the void in disenfranchised young men. Oh, yeah. Because he has such a following of young guys. Yeah. And as a man, you know, we're grown up to, to and, and I appreciate women have grown up with their own version of this. Oh, yeah. But but men aren't getting, we're not getting any airtime. Oh, totally. Men aren't getting airtime. It's the airtime's been on the women. Yeah. Hasn't been on the men. And and there's there, there's space for airtime to be given to men. And yeah. as men, we're kind of grown up thinking, well, we're oppressive, patriarchy, motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, shit. Okay. You know, okay, fine. I shouldn't. You know, and, and I remember, I remember, God, how confusing it is to know what, for a man or a woman, what it means to be a man, what it means to be feminine. Yeah. I remember, I remember once, uh, I remember, I remember once with an ex-girlfriend assuming that it was a sign of respect for me to offer to split the bill with her, as opposed to me wanting to just pay for it. Because yeah. I've been conditioned by my ex-girlfriend and my sister who were like, no, I'd never let a man pay for me, da 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 And so I was with this woman in Bali, and I was like, she's very, very successful. And I've been in a relationship for a year. And so I just thought, and I, I, I felt so awkward. I was like, what do I do? Yeah. Do, 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 is that what she needs? Does she feel that I'm respected by doing that? So I just thought, oh, should we can split the bill if you like. It, I have trauma around that occasion. And we end up having this whole conversation around it. I would never, ever, ever, now I pay for everything. But it was really interesting for me to realize, to, to observe in that one example, after we spoke about it, and you know, she told me about how it was a turn off her and da da da, and then it turns out she had mm. her own issues around that as well. Sure. So, nothing black and white. But it was interesting for me to observe just how distorted my understanding of masculine and feminine dynamics was before yeah. I came to Bali, yeah. and how distorted it is in the world. Yep. And how actually. Oh my God. I mean, there's so many things we could speak on to this in terms of men being men, men being feminine, women being masculine. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to just pause here because there's just like, there's a million roads we can go down. So it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, we could create an entire year's worth of podcast episodes about this. Um, No, I completely agree that there is just like such a gap in that space. Um, and I think my frustration with it is that to a degree, the way that the way that that space and that um, kind of amplification has evolved means that men's roles have just gotten smaller. Like, I feel like the roles of men have just been kind of like chipped away and made smaller and smaller. Like, don't be this, don't be this, don't be this. But very little encouragement as to what actually you can grow into and what space you can take up, which is, of course, incredibly oppressive in itself. And obviously, patriarchal world culture is oppressive to men and also to women. Um, and that doesn't that doesn't serve men at all to be like, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this. And like, where does that leave you just in this kind of freeze paralysis and also frustration, of course? Um, but then also women's roles have just been, like, increased which is like great in some ways, but now we're kind of expected to be all of it, which is very exhausting. <laughs> it's like, we're expected to be like in our feminine and then also wildly successful in our kind of corporate jobs, like sexy and mums and all of it. And it's just like, well, that's a lot as well. So it's like on one side, we've got like 
this shrinking and this frustration and not knowing like where to bounce off these ever tightening walls and then on the other side there's like how do I fill into this space that is being kind of shown to me when I'm just like fucking exhausted yes 100% and for men and women there's this yeah. huge distortion of what I you know what does it mean to me what does it mean to be a woman what's yeah. right da, da, da. and and from one aspect there's a huge crisis that's happening that yeah. isn't the aspect I look at it what I look at it is guys great yeah the world is going for a fucking revolution and totally. it's massive. And I think in our lifetime, we're just going to see the biggest, I mean, just the fact that AI has come in, we already know this, and so with yeah. the, the rate of technology, we're yeah. definitely going to see the biggest shift that anyone has ever seen, you know, any human has ever seen. But but particularly through the lens of personal growth, yeah, I feel that the revolution is just, out, it's exciting, it's overwhelming and it's exciting. Yeah. And the only way that it stops becoming overwhelming to me is when I realise that there is not a one-man there's not, there's not one person, one modality, one philosophy that's going to um, balance things or whatever it is. It's yeah. actually a huge, it's the invitation for the next level of evolution yeah. Yeah. is collaboration and connection. Yeah. And, um, and oh, what a fun time to be alive. Mm. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's very hard to predict. I mean, we know that there are going to be a lot of shifts. I'm very curious how it's going to, exactly how it's going to look um what the yeah what the, what the resistances will be there um yeah I think there'll be there's going to be so much resistance I mean just in the way that like we work because of because of like the advent of AI there will just be so much more space for people to step back from a lot of the work that we have created for ourselves as humans so it's like well what does that mean for how we exist what does that mean obviously economically and that just like all trickles down. Um, yeah, it's kind of reminding me of, I can't remember who, I know that it was Regina Thomas Howe quoted this, but it was from someone else. So forgive me for not having the proper reference, but she was saying like the way that we deconstruct the system is not with the same, so same tools that we use to build it. So there's going to be a big shift for sure in how we how we relate and how we work with that. But yeah, I think we're still, it sometimes still feels like we're in like this massive squeeze and contraction. And I'm like, oh, are we at the end of the contraction? Is it going to start loosening and shifting? It's hard to say. No way. I think we were at the beginning of it. I think, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so inspired to support coaches is because coaches are facilitators of this self-actualization. Yeah. And one of the biggest cock blocks of coaches is I don't know how to create clients. Yeah. And so and so I'm like, well, here you are, here you are, here you are. I mean, just to give you an idea, I'm relaunching the third version of my program uh, in the middle of it now. And it's and it's just I'm constantly evolving and making things simpler. It used to be a six six month program. Now it's six weeks. Like, boom. Constantly fine tuning things to to help um, coaches, and um, it's so needed. It's so needed, and I feel that the more the AI comes in and opens up jobs, the more people are going to be lean into the wellness industry. Yeah, you know, which is brand spanking you, brand spanking you, yeah. and um, and there are now an army of coaches, light workers, therapists, whatever you want to call it. Um, who are out there sharing these transformational codes? Yeah. And the wonderful thing is, is you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be you 
need to go and do a six-year PhD in psycho clinical psychology. That that used to be what was available to you. Yeah. You know, you go you go and do like a Freudian psychoanalysis uh five-year intensive degree. But actually, you don't. Now it's like we'll do some breath work, learn how to communicate, do some meditation, dun 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 self-awareness. And actually you can be taught very, very, very effective strategies that can support people's evolution um very quickly actually and uh, maybe not some deep 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 trauma if you have some sort of psychopathology but most people don't have a psychopathology Mm. and so it used it used to be you know i used to think to myself everyone should go and see a therapist then i found this world of coaching and i've been in the coaching world for you know nine nine eight nine years Mm. and i realized no no no. everyone should get into personal growth and coaching and then some people should go and see a therapist actually Mm. And um, and now it's, you know, just trickling into the general um, collective consciousness and our vocabulary. And soon they're going to be films talking about things and da, da, da. Mm. I mean, the world will change. Yeah. If, if every single last child is taught nonviolent, effective communication, we will live in a brand new world 20 years into that, into the future of those children yeah. having that skill. And that's just one thing. And so huge revolution is going to occur. And I was having a conversation. I, forgive me, I'm a little bit of rant here. No, please talking to somebody talked to somebody recently, um, my next door neighbor, and she was saying to me that, you know, you forget living in Bali, for example, so many people are, are, are on the journey, as it were, and therefore the kind, of, the kind of conversation people have are using certain modalities and tools that they've been taught. And, and she was saying to me, you forget actually just how novel that is when you go back to England, as she was using the example. Yes. And uh, and just and just how pl- we're all plugged in to a degree, yeah. some more than others. You know, COVID is a beautiful example of that. Some people are like, oh, you're conspiracy theorists or da-da-da, or just, you know, whatever it might be, you know? And, and, um, and so there's a lot of awakening that gets to occur. And that isn't necessarily something grandiose. It's more just self-awareness. It's more learning how to think. Yeah. And very often, you know, something like one of the reasons why I was championing meditation is because it allows you, or even something like the landmark forums are a great thing for somebody to go and do who's not who's done nothing. It's just just becoming aware how much of a slave we are to our minds that we are not our minds. Yeah. You know? totally. There's so much amazing stuff that's gonna happen. And I think there's gonna be a fucking explosion in a really good way. Yeah. And it really excites me because the last time I have to say on this topic, you know, <laughs> one of the reasons why I never got into politics. It's, I thought it's bullshit. We're never going to change the world in the way that I want the world to be changed from the top down. It's going to change from the bottom up. And coaches, I see coaches and people in that kind of arena, anyone mm-hmm. who's into self, self-actualization, are little bombs just <laughs> breaking down the bottom of the pyramid. And, and then you've got AI, which is just speeding up the rate at which mm. these these bombs can be leveraged yeah and then on top and you've got mass communication the internet speeding that up and then you've got entrepreneurship speeding that up you've yeah. got someone like alex hormozy who's like who did he's doing for entrepreneurship what the sync button did for djing and it's basically people just going hey this is a framework you can set your own business up you can set your own business up you can set your own business up set your own business up do this do this and this and and by the way if you want to have a successful business here's the secret offer more value and actually do a fucking good job and give a fuck. Wow. The, 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 the story of, by the way, if you want to be rich, you're a greedy motherfucker is evolve, is deleting. 
Yes. The reality is the best businesses of the world obsess over their customers the most. Yeah. And now that everyone's becoming entrepreneurs, becoming more and more competitive and, and the coaching industry as well. You know, I think a lot of people kind of get into coaching about eight years ago and like, oh shit, you get burnt by burnt by coaches. Yeah. And um, but now because no one really knows what who to invest in. So suddenly yeah. the quality of coaching, quality of entrepreneurship is all rising. We're in this kind of wild west right now. Yeah. But the wild west you know, will eventually solidify into Texas, you know, totally. Um, and, yeah. that, and that's happening and that's happening. Yeah. So it's fucking exciting. It anyway, exciting. so basically if you're listening to this and you're in charge and you're, you know, you know, uh, one of the puppeteers pulling the strings behind HSBC and Barclays in America, Oof. you're fucked and you know it. And there's nothing <laughs> you can do about it. Basically sending you love. I'm not sure that those are the listeners. I'm not going to lie. Not sure that the boss of HSBC is listening to this. If they are, you've heard it. You've heard it here first. Um, That would be fucking hilarious. Don't know how this would reach that person. Um, (laughs) One day, one day. This is episode number what? I actually don't know exactly which episode number this is going to be. I haven't like in the the first ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the first, right? First ten, hundred percent. And you're going to be getting into the thousands at some point. Trust me. Exactly. People are coming, but people are coming back to the first turn. True. Back to the this first is true. Turn. Yeah. So watch so... out. You might want to censor this unless you want some kind of, um, you know, um, Illuminati organization against you. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, my God, guys. It's getting very dicey over here. I have 17 SAS soldiers planted all around my house. So I'm good. Um, <laughs> but more on that another day. Conspiracies and SAS soldiers from Bali. This is the terrible. only protection. The only protection that I trust is an SAS soldier, ex SAS soldier. Yeah, sure. Completely, completely. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just like, well, we're coming back to something. I'm not sure what we're coming back to. No, men I mean, women, sexual confusion. Yeah, I mean, a lot of sexual confusion. Um, we, yeah, so we touched on men's work. I would love to know, I'd love to know what you think, if there are any pieces that you think men, young men especially, need to understand about like their, the role that they can take up, the space that they can take up, the energy that they can lean into. For young men. Yeah. People who are struggling with that feeling of like, who am I allowed to be? Like, what am I allowed to do? Mm. Well, I think um, I think reading a book like The Way of the Superior Man by David Dedder is a really good place to start for men and women. I also think reading um, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover would be another good place to start. Mm. Um, and I think the other thing is, fundamentally, I think the most important, again, I'm still working this out, yeah. but I think that the most important thing for a man is to have a purpose and to be working for something. We, we, you know, men are warriors. We want, to, we want to have a mission. Know what our mission yeah. is and create and build. Yeah. That's what we want to do. And and you know, the feminine, as it were, you know, kind of is a complement to that. Yeah, I see it. That's how I see it, um, and a support to that. But really, I think a man having a mission is super. And no one is allowed to have a mission. It's beautiful. Um, I think it could be very hard for men. You know, I think that can be very confusing. I, I just I can't imagine what it's like being a, a, like a young, young, young man now. Mm. But I, but you know, I feel that actually in so many ways, there's so much 
possibility available to young men now, it's actually a really great time to be alive. You know, finding a good role model. Knowing that actually it is okay to express your feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think do I have any, do I have any? Mm. No, please. I, I was just going to say, like, I think it's interesting, like my, my brother's a few years younger and he's very much in as much of a kind of like straight light, straight laced existence um, as you could be. Like he works in corporate and started working in London's now in New York. Um, but having said that, we were reflecting on just like the difference between how his male friends interact with each other and with their partners versus how my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, who is maybe seven years older, um, and how different that already is in that kind of seven year, in that seven year gap, in terms of the emotional literacy and the kind of willingness to be more, to be more vulnerable. Um, and also just to be more real, I guess, um, quote-unquote, that's not a very eloquent way of expressing that, but... Um, no, I hear you. Yeah. I think we just need role models. Yeah. I think, I think there's, 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 there's a lot of elements of what Andrew Tate speaks about that I think is really powerful for me. Mm. I really, really, I really do. There's a, when you go really deep into some of that, the long interviews, he he speaks. He, it's very it's, there's a very empowering. Take control of your life. Be a sovereign man. Piece that yeah. I find it very inspiring. Yeah, I'm not saying that I condone everything. I don't condone everything about anybody. No. There are elements that I find very inspiring about him. Jordan Peterson as well. Find a good role model. And I think as well, you know, kind of like to, to to give a sweeping like, oh, all men should do this. I can't. No. You know, I, I can't I couldn't give that. I think for any human being, you know, masculine man or woman, pursuing a life that is true to you is the most important thing. Yeah. That's the most important thing any of us can do. Um yeah. And with that, I feel like I can wrap up because what how can you finish that? How can you I mean, how can you uh follow that? Yeah, following what is true to us. I would love to hear, because I could talk to you forever. Um, but I would love to hear how um, the people listening can learn more about your work. If you are someone listening who is a coach looking to grow your business, I can only recommend Will's work. Um, his work is really wonderful, really beautiful. So if that is you, listen up to how you can learn more about Will's work. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Um the only way people can find me online is actually Instagram at the moment, which is William underscore underscore Griffin. Um, and uh, if anybody would like to reach out and start a conversation, they're very, very welcome to. Beautiful. Um, it depends on what listen to this. But yeah, yeah. thanks. I'll Thank share you. that in, in the notes. And if anything else comes up in the next few weeks that you are, um, that you're sharing with the world, obviously send it along and then I will add that as well. Um, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for the work you. you're doing. And I'm sure I'm going to want to have another conversation with you in the future. There'll be lots of follow-ups. So hopefully we'll be able to drag you back on when the podcast is also a little bit bigger. That sounds fun. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you for inviting me on. It's always a pleasure to see you and to connect with you. And uh, sending you so much lovely, beautiful soul. Awesome. Thank you so much. Send thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for spending your time listening to this episode of Heal with Sarah Olivia. I appreciate every moment that you spend with us here. 
If you would like to connect with me further, you can follow me on Instagram, Heal with Sarah Olivia, or on my website, HealWithSarahOlivia.com all very straightforward. You can find all of the links to my work and our guests' work in the show notes below. If you'd like to support this podcast and my work, I would be so grateful if you would follow this podcast, rate it on whichever platform you use, and you can also tag me when you share this on your social media, and you will be in with a chance of winning a tailored one-on-one breath journey with me. Finally, the beautiful music that you have heard is by my friend Ali Reza Abdullahi. So thank you so much to him for that beautiful piece of work. Have a lovely day. Sending you so much love.